Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First City Church live stream. For those less familiar with me, my name is Paul and I serve as one of the pastors at First City Church. It is an honor and a blessing to be in your homes by way of live stream this morning. Whether I'm in your living room or I'm in your bedroom or I'm in your kitchen or I'm in your hand or maybe even in your bathroom, I, I don't want to know. I'm so excited to be with you. Because this is my first time live streaming in the time we've been unable to physically meet, I wanna begin by speaking to, directly to those who call First City Church home. I really dislike this season of physical distancing in so many ways, and especially when it comes to the church. I have missed seeing each of you. I miss laughing and joking around. I miss seeing each of your faces. I miss seeing and hearing kids play in the Bellevue West cafeteria. I long for times we will all be together in the same room together, worshiping and singing and hugging. I know restrictions for worship services in our region of Nebraska are set to be relaxed next week. For a church without a building, resuming worship services with some restrictions still in place, it can be a bit complex. And so I know that Pastor Chris, he's going to talk more about our plan in the weekly update tomorrow. So stay tuned to that. To those newer to the First City Church family or to our live stream, let me talk about our approach of what we've been doing to stay connected week to week during this, during this season we've been unable to meet physically. We live stream a pastoral message uh, along with a call to worship each week. And then in addition to that, we provide a PDF or a handout that has a, a liturgy that includes some songs, a profession of faith, and a confession of sin that, that connects to the theme of the pastoral message. Joining the live stream, it's, it's a time for us to connect, even if we're doing that virtually, and to center ourselves on God's Word. And then the liturgy is intended to supplement and strengthen us as disciples of Christ. If you don't have the liturgy, you can go to our website at First City Church. There are also resources there to help you think through about how to make the most of the liturgy. Now, for those of you who might be feeling like you're in need of a bit of prayer this morning, and there are all sorts of reasons to need prayer, on our website, there's also a link to contact us. Anyone can contact us. But for those in Bellevue, Papillion, the Sarpy region, down in Plattsmouth, even if you don't have a church, we'd love to pray for you and serve you however we can. So to all, let me, let me say again, welcome to our live stream this morning. Our call to worship today is Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace 
to help in time of need. So people of God, know we have a great high priest whose name is above all other names. He is our Savior. He is Jesus the Christ. He is able to sympathize with you in your weaknesses. He has been tempted as you have been tempted. And yet, he is without sin. So wherever you are at today, we may approach God and receive mercy and find grace. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are not distant from what we are experiencing. Thank you for sympathizing with our feelings of being alone and isolated, with our feelings of longing for greater connection and and for longing for our deliverance and redemption. Thank you that as we face temptation to find comfort in earthly things, we know that you were tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so we thank you for the reality we can approach our God with confidence, no matter the weight of our guilt or our shame or our doubts. In Christ, we know our sins are forgiven, that we have life and peace, and we are in your family. Amen. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by flesh, cannot do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If this is one of the first times you're joining us, as a church, we began a pastoral series working through Romans chapter 8 a couple weeks ago. As Pastor Chris led us into that series, he shared language that theologians and preachers often use to differentiate this passage from other chapters, using terminology like highest peak and inner sanctuary and tree of life. Author and pastor John Piper unashamedly argues this is the best chapter of scripture ever written. And he's certainly not alone in that contention. This language is used because Romans 8 describes a treasure chest, treasure chest of blessings for those who are in Christ. Here are a few examples. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The Spirit will give life to your body. All who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit intercedes for us when we do not know what to pray for. For the believer, all things work together for good. Nothing, nothing is able to separate 
the Christian from the love of God. The Apostle Paul goes on and on and on and on describing blessing after blessing for those who are in Christ. So the passage we are focusing on this morning is verses 5 through 8. And as we begin, we need to ask the question, if, if this chapter is a che- treasure chest of blessings, how do these verses fit in? Well, let me read the passage and then make some observations. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So Paul uses the language, set the mind five times. This term is not so much about an accumulation of facts or about memorizing a particular body of knowledge. Rather, it's a disposition of our minds. Paul's getting at the reality. Our minds point us to a particular end goal. To get at this, many use the term mindset or attitude. Author and theologian Dallas Willard describes what Paul's getting at this way. What we set our minds on determines the orientation of everything we do, including evoking the feelings that frame our world and motivate our actions. I think many of you know that First City Church deacon Eric Goodell, he recently committed to complete an Ironman. He had his mind set on this. As such, it it determined the time he would get up every morning. And as much as he tried not to let it determine when he went to sleep, it kind of did. If you talk to him in recent weeks, he would tell you the pursuit of this goal very much affected him emotionally. When the official Ironman event was canceled, Eric plotted he, he worked on a, a, a course that worked through the Omaha metro area. His mind was set to do an Ironman. And as of yesterday, he did it. He completed that Ironman in 14 hours. Paul recognizes our mindset is powerful. It, it, it drives our actions. It drives the way we feel. The passage is contrasting two different mindsets or two different ways our mind is set determining how we act and how we feel. One is focused on the flesh. The other is focused on the spirit. So this mindset on the flesh, we often think of it in sinister ways. The man or woman indulging in pornography or adultery or addicted to alcohol or some type of substance abuse. Maybe the coworker stealing at the office, the neighbor gossiping and complaining, seeking to undermine others while glorifying self. As the mind is set on the flesh, 
it is clear the person is selfish and self-centered with little regard for others. But this mind set on the flesh, it can be much more subtle. A couple of weeks ago, as the COVID-19 crisis was playing out in the state of New York, you might remember we even prayed for the state of New York as a church. As many concluded, the state had just passed its peak. Governor Andrew Cuomo was asked when he thought New York might consider reopening. This, this was his response. Our behavior has stopped the spread of the virus. God did not stop the spread of the virus. And what we do, how we act, will dictate how that virus spreads. Now, to, to be fair to Governor Cuomo, I don't know, I don't know his heart. I don't, I don't know his point of saying this. He may have been concerned about some people who dismiss personal responsibility and veil it with a, I just believe God is in control. I don't have a part to play. You know, a let go, let God mentality, if you will. As Christians who believe scripture, we do not believe that belief in a God who is all-knowing, a God who is all-powerful, power, that that dismisses personal responsibility. Regardless of his goal, Governor Cuomo was articulating, we don't need God. We don't need God because we are our Savior. We are our Deliverer. We are the captain of our own ship. This type of disposition, while maybe at face value it is less sinister, it is consistent with a mindset on the flesh. This is how Martin Lloyd-Jones describes flesh. The flesh means man in his nature as a result of the fall without any influence of the Holy Spirit. It is a mindset deficient of God and deficient of recognizing his works and his ways in our life. It is a mindset focused on earthly things. Let me, let me give you a few examples of how a mindset in the flesh may manifest itself in light of our current crisis. A mind set on the flesh might mean being overly concerned about material things. Maybe toilet paper, boxes of cereal, or packages of meat. I was reading this morning about a potential shortage of flour. If I'm running low, I get anxious, maybe even a little bit depressed. It shapes how I act. I get up early in the morning, far earlier than I normally would to make sure I have enough. And when I'm able to get some, maybe I even hoard it. A mind set on the flesh could manifest itself as fear of death and disease. It consumes you. It controls you. It takes your energy and your emotions and preserving life. It becomes the ultimate end, regardless of the means, regardless of what it costs. A mind set on the flesh, it could manifest itself as fear of economic failure, personal economic failure, or societal economic failure. 
We may be anxious about not having money for rent or having money for groceries. Because I care so much about the economy, I, I, did, I, I have the potential to dismiss government officials who advocate policies of social distancing that might save the lives of older adults or weaker individuals in my community. A mindset on the flesh could manifest itself as fearing the effects of social distancing. Kids, you've lost birthday parties. You've lost time in the classroom to spend time with friends. Teens, you've lost time with, at events like prom or graduation or graduation parties. Sports enthusiasts, you've lost time celebrating things like March Madness, uh, the College World Series. You may be really nervous about the upcoming football season. Because of social distancing, you might, maybe you're depressed. It, it, it begins to consume your thoughts and your feelings. A mindset on the flesh could manifest itself as fearing losing too much personal freedom in light of elevated political authority. Rather than being generous with the motives of others, maybe I'm accusatory, unloving, judgmental. Maybe I'm prone to withdraw from those who disagree with me. Let me be clear. I'm not saying any of those desires in and of themselves are necessarily wrong. I really hope that you have toilet paper in your home this morning. And we grieve disease and death as Christians. But I am concerned the pursuit of these earthly things determines the ultimate orientation of how we spend our time and our energy. And so we justify things like hoarding and not being generous with others. We justify being self-centered and selfish. We dismiss anxiety and fear as a natural consequence of our moment. Such reactions are not necessarily automatic. They are reflective of a mindset on the flesh, viewing earthly things as ultimate. The other mindset Paul describes, rather than a self-focus or earthly focus, that mind is focused on the things of the Spirit, things that will matter for eternity. That mindset cares about ultimate good, not simply what is momentarily good. The Apostle Paul talks about such things in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The mindset of the Spirit will wrestle with questions like, how do I love my neighbor when I might disagree with them? How do I love my neighbor who is weak and vulnerable and the cost of me becoming infected may affect them? How do I love my neighbor who has made poor financial decisions in the past and now can't buy groceries or pay the rent? The mindset of the Spirit will focus on attributes like faithfulness, in a season when I may not feel like praying or giving to the church or serving others or getting up in the morning to spend time with God because he seems so distant, I am faithful and continue to do it. Those who set their minds on the things of the Spirit 
continue to trust in the care and provision of God's good character. They are generous with others. They seek out ways to pursue others in the church and to serve their neighbor. And so rather than being earthly focused, they have a Godward orientation in how they live. So we might call the mindset Paul is referring to Trinitarian thinking. A mind set on the Spirit is thinking the thoughts of the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. So, so let's return to something touched upon earlier. Romans 8 is a treasure chest of blessing for those who are in Christ. How do verses 5 through 8 fit in? Is Paul saying to be blessed, we need to stop setting our minds on the flesh and we need to set our minds on the spirit? Many teach that is the point of this passage. If this is the case, he's telling us how our actions will result in blessing. Let me read verse 5 again. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Paul is not saying, Christian, stop setting your mind on the flesh. Set your mind on the Spirit. He's not telling you how to be blessed. What he's doing here is describing differences between two types of people. On the one hand, there are those who live according to the flesh. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. In verse 6, Paul explains their logical end. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Because even if you survive a pandemic, even if you do not perish of a particular disease, even if you focus on experiencing exercise every day of your life, even if you are able to find the meat you want and the cereal you want and the flour you desperately need at the grocery store, earthly things perish. Your body is decaying and dying. A focus on personal pleasure certainly won't change that. But neither will a focus on medical advances or a focus on staying healthy and well. Money won't save us. Facts won't save us. Acts of kindness towards others won't save us. The logical end for the type of person with a mind set on the flesh is death. So one of the applications this morning. If you are not a Christian, Paul wants you to know where you stand. Some like to believe that non-Christians are on some sort of neutral ground with God, maybe because compared to a child molester or someone like Hitler, you're a relatively good earthly person. Surely if God exists and a God of love as Christians proclaim, you and this God must be okay. But Paul says something different. Verses 7 and 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is the objective reality of non-Christians. Apart from the Spirit, they do not submit to God's law. This doesn't mean they never do anything good. In fact, in being committed to their own version of good, 
They often do good. You don't have to be a Christian to care about God's creation or care about ways to defeat coronavirus or care about ways to make our city better. But the aim of such a person is not to serve God. Their mind is focused on earthly things and in committing to their own version of good, they exalt self. They are acknowledging they are their own master. They are their own deliverer. They are their personal savior. In doing so, they have no need for God. They have no need for his law. They only need their own law. If that describes you, Paul wants you to know you cannot please God, for you are rejecting his authority and his reign, and you are hostile to him. I would say if that matters to you this morning, if that brings concerns or questions, I mentioned earlier how to shoot us an email on our website. Reach out to us. We'd love to wrestle out those questions and concerns and chat about what it means to be in Christ. So if one type of person is living according to the flesh, the other lives according to the Spirit. The mindset of this person is set on things of the Spirit. And in verse 6, Paul contrasts the logical end of those set on those who have their minds set on the flesh with those who have their minds set on the Spirit. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Because even if you experience the effects of disease, even when you die, and you will die, you will be raised to new life. And when you sin, you know you are forgiven. You are washed clean. In the end, you will not experience God's wrath, but rather you will experience his perfect peace. Now to understand this person living according to the Spirit is not some super-Christian. We need to jump ahead a little bit to verse 9. I know Pastor Chris is going to preach on this passage next week, so hopefully I will not steal much of his thunder. But to help us understand the type of person Paul is describing, we need to, we need to uh, jump into verse 9. Here's what Paul says. You. Now, it's important to know, you here refers to the Roman Christians. Paul is not referring to the leaders of the church. He is not referring to a particular sect of Christians with a particular set of beliefs or some version of super Christians in the church. He's referring to everyday, normal Christians. You, everyday Christians, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Now, I know some of you who are Christians, you might wonder if that phrase, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, is intended to lead you to doubt the legitimacy of your faith. I'm guessing Pastor Chris will touch on that more next week. But for our purposes this morning, this passage is ultimately about growing the assurance and confidence of the Christian. Paul knows non-Christians are in his audience, people who know they are not a Christian. He's addressing them. The importance of verse 9 is this. For the Christian, the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
For non-Christians, the Spirit of God does not dwell in them. If you are a Christian, you have the Spirit. You have a mind set on things of the Spirit. You have the gift of Trinitarian thinking. As a non-Christian, you focused on serving self. Your mind was set on earthly things. You lived for the moment. In Christ, your mind is set on something new. Your mind is set on the things of the Spirit. The 36th chapter of Ezekiel says it this way in verses 25 through 27. I I here is the Lord speaking. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Ezekiel is describing the reality of what God does in the life of a believer. This is the good news of the gospel. Not only does he forgive our sins, not only does he wash us clean, he puts his spirit in us, causing us to walk in his statutes, leading us to obey his rules. And so we have new desires and we have been given a new mindset, the gift of Trinitarian thinking. So how, how might this encourage us today? Well, whether you're joining us on the live stream or you're listening someday in the distant future, maybe, maybe you're struggling. You might be so afraid of death. Maybe it's your own death. Maybe it's the death of a friend or the, the death of a husband or the death of a wife or the death of a child. Maybe you are afraid God will not protect or provide for you and your family. The uncertainty of meeting basic needs is making you anxious and depressed. Only when you have enough, which if you're honest, there is never enough. Only then will you feel secure and be able to rest. In the midst of such a struggle, how are Paul's words about two different types of people, one in the spirit and one in the flesh, which if you're honest, you, you often feel more like the type of person in the flesh. How does it minister to you in the midst of those struggles? I want you to think back to happier times for a moment. Uh, perhaps a, a Christmas morning, you were receiving gifts and you were giving gifts. The reality is some of those gifts you, you give, some of those gifts you receive, they're neglected. I think you've all seen scenes that make us laugh where kids brush aside the, the real gift they receive in exchange for the cardboard boxes they come in. All that money for a cardboard box. So, so a few years ago, Gifts were given and gifts were received at the Gardner home. And one of those gifts was a telescope. This telescope was not used for a number of years after it was received. But recently, 
dur during the supermoon. So this is when the, the moon is closest to Earth and it is larger in the sky than at any other point. We pulled out that gift we had set aside and it was a source of great joy and blessing. As a Christian, you have been given many gifts. Some you use, some you set aside and neglect. Paul wants us to know as a Christian, you have been given the gift of the Spirit you have been given the gift of Trinitarian thinking in your struggles. It doesn't mean you don't have the gift, but it might mean you neglect it. This is why scripture often uses language like submit to the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you have received. In the verse just prior to our passage this morning, Romans 8.4, Paul used the language walk by the spirit. So Paul is not giving us a pep talk to set our minds on the spirit, to stop setting our minds on the flesh. He is saying that you have been given a treasure chest of blessings and he's displaying the beauty of a particular gift. You've been given this gift. You don't have to strive to get this gift. You are already blessed. He's putting that on display, helping you understand what a blessing it is. God has given every Christian a treasure chest, treasure chest of blessings. You, you may believe the normal Christian life is about you living for God, you striving and straining, you doing and donting. But Paul is teaching us the normal Christian life is not about you doing things for God. Rather, the normal Christian life, which is a supernatural life, is about God living through you, surrendering and submitting to the presence and power of God dwelling in you. So when it comes to the gift of Trinitarian thinking, here's the good news. In the flesh, you had a mind set on fearing disease and death. You believed life needed to be preserved at all costs. Such thoughts consumed your time and your energy. In Christ, you have been given the gift of a mind set on the spirit and you are free from this fear. For you know you have life and peace with God and you know death is not the ultimate end. In the flesh, you had a mind set on fearing not having enough, whether it's toilet paper or meat or enough money to pay the rent. In Christ, you have been given a mind set on the Spirit, and you are free from such anxiety and fear. For you know you have a God who provides. You know you have a God you can trust. In the flesh, you had a mindset on being anxious with uncertainty. When will this time end? When will I be able to see my friends and my family? In Christ, you have been given a mind set on the things of the Spirit, and you have peace. You know your God is sovereign. You know God is working for the good of those who love him, and so you are able to rest in his good character. 
and pandemic circumstances aside, in the flesh, you had a mind set on seeking affirmation and earthly comfort. You had a mind set on seeking status and pursuing pleasure. Because of the effects of sin, you hurt. And because you had a mind set on the flesh, you looked to earthly things to numb your pain and satisfy what is incomplete. In Christ, you have been given a mind set on the things of the Spirit, and you trust that God heals your pain and satisfies what is incomplete and redeems what is broken. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of giving us a mindset set on things of the Spirit. We thank you for giving us the gift of Trinitarian thinking. We thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit. You have given us new desires, a new attitude, a new mindset. We confess that we often revert back to thinking in line with our old self. We ne neglect the gifts you have given us. Forgive us. Jesus, we thank you that you bear our guilt and our shame. And Spirit, we thank you for awakening us to the good news of the gospel. May we grow in what it means to walk and submit to you. Amen.